Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to go. Okay, my love, I have put everything that I offer for free on one page so that we are not doing more work than we have to because why would we do that? Hashtag work smarter, not harder. So livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. You are going to find everything I've created for not only leveling up in your personal life and building a life that you love, but leveling up in your business life and building a business that you love. Okay livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. Love you. Hello, my beautiful, enigmatic, on your journey, powerhouse fam. I hope you are having a wonderful day or night or morning or evening or like whatever time it is that you listen to this podcast. And if you're not, I hope that it turns around for you. I am going to talk about a topic that makes me so angry that I want to set things on fire. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be passionate, right? Because I, I'm just not a neutral person. So this is a topic I've wanted to talk about for a really long time. Um, it's something that breaks my heart. It's something that makes me angry. It's something that I think is one of the biggest problems in therapy, hands down, bar none. Um, and my hope for this podcast episode is that it gives you and anyone who, you know, who is potentially looking for a therapist, some clarity and the courage to fire your therapist if they are shitty and to find a good one. Um, because a shitty therapist will ruin your life and a good therapist will save it. So this, these are the stakes that we're talking about here. Like people's lives are at stake people's happiness is at stake. And there are many, many things that I don't take seriously. I joke about a lot of shit, um, <laughs> including things like suicide and self-harm. Like I take a lot of things lightly. This is not something that I take lightly. Um, this is something that has life or death stakes. So it is important. And if you're going to hang out with me, which you press play on the episode, so I assume you're going to for the duration, uh, we're going to talk about what to avoid, how to find a therapist, like literally what are the steps to finding a therapist, what are the resources, and what to look for in a good therapist, what makes a good therapist and a bad therapist. Um, so buckle up, <laughs> motherfuckers, because we are about to take a ride. So I'll start with kind of the simplest thing, which is how to find a therapist. So you have a number of options when you are looking for a therapist. I personally use psychology today all the time. Psychologytoday.com. My personal listing is on there for like me as a therapist. Um, you can filter by insurance, gender, 
issues, um, someone who specializes in depression, someone who specializes in LGBT, someone who specializes in trauma or anxiety or grief or marriage or couples or whatever. Um, so I really like that feature. You can filter by uh, price, like how much they cost per session. Um, if they do a sliding scale, meaning if they decrease their rate based on what you can afford, that's what a sliding scale means. Um, you can search by geographical area, all of those things. So they are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. There are many therapy directories. I personally like psychology today the most. Um, if you work for psychology today and you're listening to this podcast, pay me, <laughs> which I do this. I, I say this for free. Like literally they are for me, the best, most easy user-friendly resource. So psychologytoday.com, you can filter by a lot of things. Another resource is your insurance. So if you have insurance, you can call the number on the back of your card and say, hey, can you send me a list of therapists in my area? And they're going to go, yes, they will do that for you. Now, the beautiful thing about that is they're only going to send you providers that are already in network, which is cool. So you don't have to worry about saying, am I in network with them? Are they not in network? Like they will send you a list of people who are in network for you. You can also, if you like have ever used your patient portal in your insurance, you can use that. Um, you can also ask whoever you're looking into if they are on your insurance. Now, from a provider side of this, I obviously know the insurance panels that I'm credentialed with and I tell people yes. Um, and they, their next question naturally is like, well, what's my copay? So here's where it gets a little sticky. Your copay for medical is typically sometimes not always your copay for mental health. So the best way to find out, Hey, what am I going to owe if I go see a therapist is to call your insurance and ask them, what's my copay for mental health sessions. Now your therapist can give you a specific code that they bill for. For us, it's 90837. So if you want to call and give them that code, you're going to get the most accurate number because there's a lot of factors that go into it, but they should be able to give you at least a ballpark. Um, so that's kind of how to find a therapist. You can, of course, you can ask your friends for recommendations, ask people you know for recommendations. Um, I would not ask people who poo-poo therapy because they're going to be like poo-pooing therapy. So like, obviously that's not going to be helpful for you. Um, ask your friends, your insurance. Again, psychology today is great. And sometimes I get questions on, um, well, okay. Like, yeah, I found someone, but they're, they're not really in my area. So like, that's totally normal and that's totally fine. Like, especially with, with things being virtual now, there are many, I mean, you can go statewide, right? So like our license restricts us to working in our state, or if we are able to work in another state, that's kind of a specific state by state thing. Um, so you can see people virtually if you really like them. So don't be afraid to go outside of your geographical area. If you feel like you really vibe with someone like that's, that's going to be much better for you. Or if you're like, for example, if you are LGBTQ and in your, you maybe grow up in a rural area. Like we, I live in a very rural Bible Belt area. So like there aren't, we are all providers who support LGBT, um, but not every provider does. So if you live in an area and you're like, I really want someone who's LGBT affirming, who is LGBT friendly and that's not really in my area, then you're, are, you are well within your rights to go outside of your area and to find someone who does that virtually. Um, again, psychology today is going to be a really good resource for that because you can filter by things like that. So 
that's kind of the bones on how to find one. Okay, now here is where I am going to get real angry. Um, you need a provider who is good at what they do. Um, and in order to do that, you have to know what to look out for that tells you they are bad at what they do because most people don't know, right? Most people think that most people think that therapists just listen to you. They just sit in a room and they listen to you. And I can't tell you, I cannot state enough that if you leave hearing nothing that I say, if you hear nothing but this sentence and take it for the rest of your life, your life will be better. Your therapist's job is to teach you skills. It is not to listen to you. That is like 10% of our job. 10% of my job is to listen to people and to affirm them and to validate that what they're feeling is real and valid and has a place. 10% of my job is to listen. 90% of my job is to teach skills. So since most people think a therapist's job is just to listen, they end up with therapists who just listen. No, that is not a therapist's job. A therapist's job is to teach you how to heal, teach you how to overcome whatever you need to overcome, how to change behaviors, how to change your mindset, how to do many things. It is not just to listen. So if you hear nothing that I say, you can, I would not close the podcast right now, but like if you stop now, that will put you leagues ahead of most people. But let's keep going. Things to avoid at all cost, if you can. Online platforms, things like BetterHelp, uh, I don't remember what the other ones are called, but platforms like that where you're only emailing or texting a therapist will not get you the results that you want. It is never going to happen. Just in the same way that like you can't heal by looking out a window and watching trees. <laughs> Like, that is not going to happen for you. There is so much to be said for the connection that you have with another human being. That is actually the most transformative part of therapy. If you look at all of the research on the most impactful thing, like the most impactful component for therapy, it's not what modality they use. It's not where they're doing the therapy. It's not if it's online or in person. It's do you like the person that you are seeing? That's it. The therapeutic relationship is the most important part, hands down, bar none, will be until the end of time. So you cannot get that through messaging. You cannot get that through messaging. You just can't do it. Now, just no, just avoid it. Like I'm telling you, just avoid it. It will not work for you. There's a few reasons for that. One, they don't pay their people well. So they overwhelm their therapist. And I want you to think about how effective a therapist is going to be for you if they're overwhelmed and underpaid. Okay, that's not going to work out. 
You are missing the relationship component. They can't see you. You have way too much time to edit. Okay. Part of the really powerful part of therapy is when you have a good therapist, they are not just hearing what you say. They are watching you like a fucking hawk and reading all of those discrepancies and finding those little cracks to dive into and pull apart and dig the rod out. Like that is what a good therapist does, but it takes hearing someone. It takes watching someone. Now I have had clients do sessions on the phone before and that is okay. Like it's a better option than texting or emailing because texting and emailing is a garbage option. So this is at least better because we can hear you. Like we can hear the pause, the, um, the, the, the hesitancy, the uncertainty, the, the certainty, the confidence, like those things matter. So you need someone in person on the phone, on video, literally in person doing this with you. Like the human aspect cannot be overstated. Okay. Um, this one is going to be a one that don't at me. So I need you to not take this one. No, actually don't take any of these personally, but what I have found in my experience is that most Christian counselors are problematic. Not that a counselor who is Christian is problematic. What I'm saying is most counselors who market themselves as a Christian counselor are problematic. And here's why they often take scripture out of place. They often invalidate mental health by telling people that they're not Christian enough. They're not praying hard enough. They don't have a close enough relationship with God. And that is why they're suffering. So bad counselors who market themselves as Christian counselors pin everything on the relationship with God. So if you have depression, anxiety, trauma, you have not given it to God enough. You have not prayed hard enough. You don't go to church enough. You're not a good enough Christian. And I want you to think about if that is your, if that's your religion, hearing a professional whose job is to help you tell you that you are failing in your faith, that the reason you're suffering is your own. So I would be very, very careful of anyone who markets themselves as a Christian therapist. And when we get to what to look for, I'm going to give you some questions to ask so that you're actually interviewing the therapist that you want to see, because it's very important. Okay. That relationship matters. Your life is in the balance of therapy. So you need to be informed on what to look for. So again, being a therapist who is a Christian, who is a Muslim, who is a Buddhist, who who is agnostic, that is not necessarily the issue. What I have found, what many, many, many clients have told me when they have previously gone to see Christian counselors is that it is demeaning. It has, it was invalidating. It was cruel. It was way too patriarchal. It was, it's centered around them not being Christian enough. And that's the reason why they were suffering. And this is going to link right into another thing that we're, that we need to avoid, like the plague. Um, in a minute. So be very wary of counselors who market themselves as Christian counselors. Now, obviously, are there some who are very good? Yes, of course there are. But we're not talking about the ones that are very good. The ones that are very good are going to do the things that I'm going to tell you that you want them to do, right? That's in the next section. So stick with me. Like, understand that, like, 
that is a very specific subset that I and feedback that I have had about Christian specific counselors. Now there are shitty therapists of every religion again, but that is, that is specific. So take that for what it is. Um, So be wary of that. Anyone who just listens to you. Now I need you to understand that like I have a farm, right? I have horses in my field. They live in the field because they're horses. So that's where they live, right? I have goats that live in the field. I have turkeys that live in the field. I can talk to the horses all day long and they're never going to talk back. Um, if they did start talking back, I think I would need my own therapist and we would have a different problem. So if I ever come on the podcast, I'm like, so my horse was just telling me the other day, like, um, I need you guys to, you know, just shoot me a message and be like, Amanda, like, are you, are you good, boo? Because I don't think you're good. So the point that I'm trying to make is anyone on the planet can just listen to you, which is why a lot of people, when they're reluctant to go to therapy, will say, well, I have friends who I talk to and I talk to my partner. And well, sometimes I talk to my parents. Amazing. I'm glad that you have people to talk to. That's not what a fucking therapist does. A therapist nests in your brain like a bird digs the rot out, helps you untangle the spaghetti that is your brain, and replants flowers. Okay, I just mixed a lot of metaphors, but you understand the point. The point of a therapist is to untangle your shit so that you are not carrying toxic garbage and you are replacing the toxic garbage with things that work for you. You are never going to get that by talking to a horse in a field, which is what your friends are, your parents are, your coworkers are. Those are all horses in a field because they can't teach you anything. You may quote unquote feel better after you vent to them, but it doesn't solve anything. It's like complaining about a patch, a leak, like a freaking damn. What am I trying to say? It's like complaining about a crack in your roof and you never actually fix the crack in your roof. And everyone is just like, yeah, that's a crack in the roof. And you're like, man, it keeps raining on me through this crack in the roof. And people are like, yeah, I see that it rains on you through this crack in the roof. And you never fix the roof, okay? The therapist is your roofer. You have to fix your shit. If your friends knew how to tell you how to do that, they would be charging you. (laughs) Like, they would be charging you. You can talk to any horse in a field. That is not what a therapist does. Remember, that is 10% of a therapist's job is listening to you and saying, wow, that is hard. Man, I can imagine that was really hard for you. Damn, that sucks. That's a phrase I say all the time. I'm like, damn, that sucks. Like, I hate that for you. But if all I do is stop there, we have a huge problem because I may as well be a horse in a field. Honestly, the horse in the field is probably more fun to hang out with. Because it's all worse in the field. And that's someone just looking at you going, oh my God, that's so hard. Now, this is where people who are in therapy for like 10 years, 15 years, this is where I know their therapist is bad at their job. I know that a therapist is bad at their job if they're seeing someone weekly or bi-weekly for years and they're not making progress. Okay. Sometimes depending on the amount of trauma, it takes years to work through. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is 
if someone is seeing you or someone you know and has been for years, weekly or biweekly, and they're not making progress, their therapist is bad at their job. They are bad at their job and they are harming you or your friend. That is not okay. This is why I get so fired up about this. If your therapist just listens to you and validates what you're saying, fire them today, today, because after this episode, you're going to know exactly what to look for today, fire them and go get a new therapist who will teach you skills. That is the point of therapy. So if they are only listening to you and you're like, well, I go and I talk, I talk and, and, and they don't really have much feedback and they, they don't really say much. That's because your therapist sucks. Okay. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but also you're welcome. Your therapist sucks. Go find a new one who's going to teach you shit. If your therapist shames you. Now, this is the reason that I have had a lot of negative feedback about counselors who market themselves as Christian counselors because they use shame and blame and judgment instead of empowering their clients, instead of being curious about what's happening. They just say, well, you're not Christian enough. Well, you don't pray hard enough. Well, you haven't given it to God enough. Tell me how that helps you. Tell me how that helps you. Like, cool, thanks. I'll just pray harder, I guess. I'll just become a nun. And uh, they clearly have no problems and never struggle at all. Like, that's stupid, right? That makes no fucking sense. So if your therapist shames you, blames you, or judges you, that is a problem. That is a huge problem. Now, that's not to say that, like, your therapist can't be like, what are you doing? You are, this choice is terrible. Okay, I can't tell you how many clients I have looked at and gone, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? This is a horrible choice. That's not me judging them and saying they're a horrible person. That is me saying they and I both know that the choice that they're making is garbage, is not going to serve them in the long run. So your therapist needs to challenge you and say, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Are they actually helping you? Are you happy? Are you being honest about what's happening? Because again, if you just talk and your therapist is like, herp, derp, horse in a field, you're not actually growing. You're just talking, which also means that you're bringing up the same shit every week for years. And then you're like, why can't I heal from this? Because it's always top of mind. It's It's always present every week. You're never actually clearing it out. You're never getting rid of it. You're never healing from it. You're never putting it down. This is one of the reasons why therapists who only listen are so, so, so damaging because they, they just bring up these wounds that can never heal. That's a huge problem. So you should never feel like your therapist is shaming you. Now, again, that doesn't mean that your therapist can't ever tell you what you're doing makes no sense or is crazy or is stupid or is unhelpful. But your therapist should never be calling you stupid or crazy or damaged or broken or 
whatever. Like you are not broken. You're not damaged. You're not crazy. You're not anything other than doing your best. And if your therapist does not hold that for you, get away from them and also report them to the board because fuck them. That is not okay. You should feel comfortable being honest about what you're doing, who you are, and what you're experiencing with them. Now, obviously, that takes some time, right? You're probably not going to go to your first session and be like, here's everything, which if you do, amazing. We love that for you. And if you don't, amazing. We love that for you. It's totally okay. It takes time for a relationship to build and for that trust to build. But that trust is never going to build if your therapist shames you, blames you, or judges you. Those people are bad. Get away from them. Okay, that doesn't mean they can't tell you what you're doing is fucked up, but it means that they're not saying you're fucked up. Okay, you're not. You're not broken. You're not fucked up and you're not crazy. You just are doing things that are unhelpful and we need to unlearn them and relearn some new things. So if your therapist doesn't take feedback, this is a huge problem. If you can't tell your therapist, hey, I don't understand what you're saying or I don't know why we're working on this or why are we landing here? Or I don't like the way that you said that to me. Or I don't agree with you. Or I'm not going to do what you're suggesting. Ideally, your therapist is teaching you those skills to use with other people. And that also means you can you can use them with your therapist, right? Like I have a client who for three years, he sees me monthly and has made progress, right? We want that caveat. Um refuses to journal just like just he just won't do it right like every time I see him I'm like hey you know journaling may be helpful for this and he's like I'm literally never going to do that and I'm like okay that's totally fine right like you're always in the driver's seat of your life so if you feel like you have to do what your therapist says or you're going to be in trouble with them and that's like literally true they're going to be mad at you for not doing what they say like That is not a therapist who has worked through their own shit. And that is not a therapist who has worked through their own ego. And they need to go like they need to go within that. Like, are there times where I have been frustrated with a client? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. Okay. yes, I have. There has there is one in particular who like we were we um, were kind of stuck in a very frustrating space. And there were many weeks where I was like, why are we still here? This is so annoying. Why are we doing this? Like, why, why, why are we still here? I'm so sick of being here. And I know that they were sick of being here too. And they would say like, you're frustrated with me. I must be so frustrating. And I would always correct them. And here's what I will tell you. My frustration is my, is and was my own. It is my ego. I was frustrated with them. I was frustrated that they weren't, quote unquote, making the progress I wanted them to make. That has nothing to do with them. Nothing. That was my shortcoming, my job to work through, my ego coming up. So if your therapist routinely gets mad at you for, quote unquote, not making progress, they need to go because they don't know how to work through their ego. That is a problem and it will damage you in the long run because the message that you get is that you're not working hard enough. You're not doing good enough, which is literally never true. Okay. You are always doing your best. You're always trying your hardest. Why else would you be in therapy? That doesn't make sense, right? Like, so if your therapist is mad at you, if you don't feel like you can give them feedback or challenge them, not just because you don't have the skill set, but like you have the skill set and you're not comfortable doing it. That's a problem. That means our power dynamic gap is too big. Now there is an inherent power dynamic, like 
gap in the relationship, right? Because the therapist is the professional and, and the client is not the person with the degree, but you as the client are the expert in you. I don't know you better than you know you. Kitty apparently agrees and has a lot to say on this topic as well. I don't know you better than you know you. So you are always, always, always the expert in you. So even if I suggest something, your therapist is suggesting something, you're like, well, that's not going to work or I don't want to do that. You have the right to not do that. You have the right to do or not do anything. Like you don't have to do a damn thing that I suggest or that your therapist suggests ever. We do want to talk about the consequences of doing or not doing or what our other options are, but you are well within your rights to challenge your therapist and to give them feedback. Hey, I don't like when you use this language. I don't understand what you're saying here. I don't really understand why we're focusing on this. Like those things are important because therapy should be led and directed by you. Your therapist, their job is to like pick up topics and to pick up things to pull apart and to dig the rod out on and to replant flowers into you. But like, you're actually the expert on what's going to work and not work for your life, not the therapist. If your therapist has never worked with someone like you and isn't willing to learn. So like, obviously every therapist has their first, right? Like I had to have my first LGBT client, my first trans client, my first black client, my first substance use client, but ideally they should be learning about you. So you should not be educating 100% your therapist about your issues or your identities. That is a problem. Okay. So they need to be taking their own learning into their own hands. Um, someone who you just don't like, like if you don't like your therapist, that re- that's not going to work out for you because there's always going to be some unconscious resistance there. So not that you have to like, you know, want to date your therapist or want to be friends with your therapist. But I have actually found that some of the most transformative relationships are clients who I'm like, uh, Damn, like (laughs) we would be such good friends because that relationship matters. Again, the most important part, the most transformative part of therapy is the relationship that you have with your therapist. So you have to like them or at the very least respect them. And, but I would argue that you have to like them on some level. Like you have to like who they are on some level. Um, If they don't see you for an hour, or at the very minimum 45 minutes. A lot of therapists do 45 minute sessions. I don't know why, but if it works for them, you know, whatever. But they should not be seeing you for under 45 minutes. Um, I had, I had a potential client call a few, a couple weeks ago and they were like, oh yeah, they were doing 15 minute appointments with this person. Um, that makes no sense. Okay. You can't get anything done in 15 minutes. Like even the people that I've seen for a long amount of time that are monthly now, just because they like the space to check in, we still meet for an hour because 15 minutes is like, how how are you? Bye. Like that's not, that's not okay. Um, You need to be meeting for at least 45 minutes, preferably an hour. If you're going over an hour, that's not always super recommended. Um, So like 45 minutes to an hour is really the sweet spot. I prefer an hour, but that doesn't make that the best way. Um, if your therapist dumps their life on you, like if your therapist talks more about themselves than about you, that's a problem. That's a huge problem because you're paying them to talk about you. Now that doesn't mean that your, your therapist can't share any personal details. Like for example, um, I just got back from New Orleans 
And so like one of my clients knew that I was going. And so when I came back, they were like, oh, how is New Orleans? So we talked about New Orleans for a few minutes because like, again, I'm still a human being and we want that relationship aspect. So your therapist is allowed to be a human. Like they're, you're allowed to talk mini, 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 mini about your therapist. But like the majority of the time should be talking about you, what you've got going on, what you need to do, all of those things. So like if your therapist talks more about you than about them, that's a huge problem. Um, if you know more about your therapist than they know about you, that's a huge problem. <laughs> like that's not okay. Um, if your therapist is doing shit that doesn't make any sense, like I had a client when they first came to me, we're testing out uh, an EAP program, which is where like your employer pays for two or three sessions through whoever. Um, and they said the the therapist, the woman that they talked to was one literally yelling at them and running military drills with them. And they were like, I'm here because my friend died and I'm sad. And she's like, what would you do if you were getting shot at? And she's like, why, why are we doing this? I don't, she's like, you would, you would call a helicopter. And she's like, what does this have to do with anything? So if your therapist is like way out in left fucking field or like an alternate universe, that's also a problem. And if they're, if you know more about them than they know about you, that's a huge problem. Okay. Your, their job is to burrow into your brain, not for you to live in their life. Like they need to live in your life. If you don't have their full attention, um, I had, God bless these like really bad therapists. They're giving me so much good stuff for this episode. Um, I had another client say their therapist used to take calls during their sessions, like personal calls during their sessions. Um, that's not okay. Like, that's not okay. Unless someone's dying, that's not okay. So like, for example, I do sessions on a farm and sometimes like my parents need something on the fly, but they know much better than to interrupt me during a session. Um, because it's my job. So like your therapist should take their job seriously. Your time is your own. So they should, you should have their full attention. They shouldn't be answering text messages. They shouldn't be eating. They shouldn't be um, answering phone calls during your sessions. Like you pay for that time. So they need to take it seriously. And they need to take you seriously. Which brings us into our next one. If they don't take you seriously, if they think your symptoms are a joke, if they think you are a joke, if they think you're a Okay, so let me let me preface this by saying like people who are in trauma are often um I use the term over dramatic, but really it's very reactive. So like I joke a lot with clients that their gremlin brain is very dramatic, right? Like someone doesn't respond to your text message and you think that the world is ending. Like that's not what I'm talking about here. When when we can joke and say like, oh my God, your gremlin brain is so dramatic, like it's okay, they just they were just busy, versus saying like Every one of your reactions is dramatic. Every one of your reactions is inappropriate. You're just dramatic and that's your problem. You should just, you should just stop doing all that. Like, that's not okay. Okay. You're not a joke. Your symptoms are not a joke. What you are experiencing is not a joke and they need to take it seriously and they need to believe you when you're saying things. So if you chronically feel like your therapist doesn't believe you, again, we have a problem. Um, if they never challenge you, Again, any horse in a field can listen to you, but you're not going to grow or heal that way. You're just going to talk to a horse in a field, which will help probably like 5%, but we actually want the 100%.
So they need to challenge you. They need to tell you, this is where you're fucking up. Maybe not in that language. That's just the language I use. But like, they need to say, you chose this. You're doing this. You're the root of all of these things. You're the common denominator in all of these things. Not to shame you, to educate you. You make these choices. You don't have to make these choices. We can make different, better, more helpful choices. But you are the person making these choices. You are the person who are who is determining how your life looks and how it runs. And sometimes, oftentimes, we need someone to remind us that we're actually the person in control here. Okay, so if you're in a shitty relationship, that's on you. You choose to stay. If you're in a job that you hate, that's on you. You choose to stay. So someone challenging you is saying, okay, you're putting your... You're, instead of doing a mirror, you're doing a window. You're trying to look outside of yourself for all these factors that are causing this problem, but we actually need to look inside. Where are you having blocks, mental blocks, emotional blocks, trauma blocks, literal systemic barriers that are keeping you from doing the things that you say you want to do and having the things that you say you want to have, but that takes challenging you. So if your therapist is never telling you, this doesn't make sense, this is wrong, this is why this is happening, you are wrong. You are making a decision that is not aligned with your values. You're making decisions that take you out of your integrity. Again, your therapist is a horse in a field, which I love horses in a field. Like they're, I love horses. We have 10 of them, nine of them. We have a lot of them. I love them, but they are not therapists. Okay. They need to challenge you. If they push their beliefs on you. Now, a a therapist who has not done their ego work will get mad at clients will want clients to do things their way because it's the best way, because it worked for them, whatever. You see this in shitty coaches too. Well, I did it this way, so you have to do it this way or you're wrong. But what works for them may not work for everyone, and it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. So we need things that actually work. And that is always dependent on you. If you want to do them, if you can, if you know, if barriers exist, whatever. So a therapist pushing their beliefs on you, you have to believe this in order to be happy or successful. You don't. That's a problem. Your therapist needs to do their own ego work, but you're not in charge of that. I would just go find a new one. If they talk too much about their personal life, you've kind of talked about that one. Um, if they ghost you and never reschedule sessions. I have had a lot of people, especially in the beginning, who came to me and said, I met with them once or twice um, and we just never scheduled a follow up session. Like we just never scheduled again, which as a as a, th- as a therapist who like has fucking ethics makes me want to eat nails. Like why would you open up a can of worms and those worms are like piranhas, but they live on land and they eat everything and not see that through. Like that doesn't make sense, right? That is so unethical. That is so dangerous. So if your therapist just totally ghosted you, that's a problem. Now, if someone tells me, oh, every therapist I've ever had do that, like, okay, you may actually be the actual drama. But if like your your most recent therapist just goes so you never reschedule a session, that's a problem. Um, on the opposite side, if your therapist sees you way too often. So one of my one of my friends was seeing her therapist four times a week. Like, imagine what you talk about four times a week. And how that will actually trap you in being neurotic as fuck. Because now you're talking about your problems four times a week. Like, 
No, <laughs> no, baby. No, that is not okay. So it makes your problems seem like a million times bigger than they are because you're, you're never not talking about them. And she said it made her feel crazy. It made her feel like she couldn't make a decision on her own. Like she had to run everything by her therapist. Like think of how disempowering that feels. Okay. Like at my most, so I'll just give you a frame of reference, like with the most intense client, with the client who was in the most dangerous position, the most, um, not unstable, that's not the right word, but like the most dangerous position I have only ever in my career. So six years now, four years on my own. So seeing hundreds of clients, I have done twice a week with two clients at the most for two weeks. So two clients out of hundreds, and I've only ever seen them more than once a week, twice, like for a two week time span. So the fact that her therapist was seeing her four times a week is insane to me. And then I found out her therapist was billing a grant and she was paying. So like, that is not okay. So whatever time frame you are seeing your therapist on, ask them why. They should be able to tell you. Your therapist should be able to justify everything that they're doing with you. Because if they can't, we have a bigger problem, okay? So that's kind of a whole list of things to avoid. Um, I actually want to read you guys. I asked one of my one of my clients who has had really unfortunately, really bad experiences with therapists. Um, thank God they kept trying because they finally found me. And she's actually made huge improvements in a relatively short amount of time because I teach skills and I know what I'm doing. Um, and I don't mean that to sound super like, oh my God, every other therapist is horrible and I'm great. But like the proof is in the progress that she's making. And I asked her to share some stories because I want people to really understand why I'm talking about this. And by people, I mean you, my sweet baby darling. So because these things matter, right? Like your life is literally life and death. And therapists hold that in their hands. And that is not to be taken lightly. And they have a responsibility to you. They have such a responsibility to you that I can't even tell you how big it is. But like they hold your life in their hands. We hold our clients' lives in our hands. And that matters. So I want you to be educated on putting your life in the right hands and what happens when you don't, okay? So here are some stories from her. She said, um, I said, hey, can you just give me off the top of your head like some of the experience you've had with really crappy therapists? And she said, Christian-based therapists who think my mental health issue is only a spiritual issue, you need to pray more, ask for forgiveness for sins. I want to think of how disempowering that is. God will take it away if you pray hard enough. All of those things, which gave her a ton of religious trauma. Okay. Another one is I've had therapists tell me it'll be like this forever. Um, because of a diagnosis, you'll have anxiety forever. You'll have depression forever. You'll always be traumatized. You'll always self-harm. You'll always have an eating disorder. You can never heal those things. You can never get rid of them. These are a death sentence. Not only is that not true, you can absolutely heal anxiety, depression, trauma, eating disorders. You can heal every single one of those things, okay? Come at me if you think I'm wrong. 
but I'm not. You can heal them. I have done it with multiple clients. Many therapists have done it with multiple clients. Those things are not a death sentence, but I want you to think about what it feels like to have a professional who, quote unquote professional, who you're paying, look at you and tell you, there's nothing you can do for this except try and suffer a little less about it, except cope with it, except deal with it, except this is going to be the rest of your, you're always going to suffer. You're always going to have anxiety. You're always going to have panic attacks. You're always going to cut yourself, burn yourself, harm yourself. Like imagine how it feels to have a a quote unquote professional say that to you and how demoralizing that is and how hopeless that feels. You'll always have suicidal thoughts. You'll always have an addiction. You'll always be an addict. That feels hopeless and it feels demoralizing and it feels disempowering and they're not true. They're not true. You can heal all of those things. They can go away, but you have to have someone who knows what they're doing. So they've had therapists say you can't change these things. You just have to learn to cope with them, which is not true, by the way. Um, she said, I've had so many therapists who just wanted to talk and never taught me any damn skills. It took her coming to me. This is year 13 of her getting, um, trying to get mental health support, trying to do therapy in a way that's helpful. Um, where I said, what did your last therapist do with you? And she's like, well, I I mostly talked and I'm just like, (sighs) so she has had, she has suffered needlessly, by the way, for her whole life when she started trying to get help over a decade ago. But people didn't know what they were doing. So things escalated. So things got worse. So her suffering got worse because they didn't know what they were doing. And they never assessed like if what they're doing is even fucking helpful. This is why I get so fired up about this. Like she suffered. For no reason other than the people who were supposed to help her are failed. They failed. And that's not okay. So this is one of the reasons for this episode. Um, she said, I had a therapist call me weak because I took medicine. Imagine how that feels to have a therapist tell you that you're weak because you need medication. Or even if you just want it. Like, if you're just like, life is better on antidepressants, which by the way means you need it. (laughs) Like, a therapist called her weak for that. So imagine someone having kind of a fragile sense of self who, who is, who wants to, who made a decision that is in their best interest. That was probably not an easy decision to make. It's not an easy decision to decide to go on medication. And the person who is supposed to be helping them shamed them, judged them, and told them they were weak. That is not okay, but that is rampant in our fucking industry. And it's not okay. Um, Next one is, I had a therapist who got mad at me because I wasn't ready to talk about a trauma, like a specific incident, um, that I had never talked about to anyone. She kept pushing, and she yelled at me and kicked me out. It says she refused to work with me again because I was manipulative. This is one of the biggest fears people have about therapy is that they're going to have to go over all of their traumas. I will tell you now, you don't have to. 
You don't have to give any details that you don't want to give. But a therapist who has not done their ego work will not allow you to do that because they're assholes. Like, that is such an asshole move. You don't have to share details. You don't. A good therapist will be able to discern whatever you're talking about. And what's more important is how that that um, incident, that experience is impacting you now. So there are many clients who like who share details and, and that is feels helpful for them. And there are many clients, a less number, but I still have clients who who give me the basic gist of what happened without having to walk through details. And there are many clients who I ask about a situation and they say, I'm not ready to talk about that. And I say, okay, fine, no problem. Let's move on to the next thing that comes up. Um, You are always allowed to say, no, not yet. Yes, let's do this. Obviously you have more options than that, but like you are well, you are within your rights to say, I don't want to talk about that right now, or I'm not ready to to talk about that right now, or to just never talk about it. That's okay. We can do other work that's helpful. But a therapist who's in their ego, a bad therapist is going to do what, what her ex therapist did and, and yell at you and kick you out and call you manipulative. Like that's, again, that's not okay. Um, she said, I had a therapist who called me needy and too much multiple times because I needed extra support. Um, Imagine how that would run with a client who feels suicidal, right? Like if, if I had a client who felt suicidal and they reached out and said, I'm really, I'm really worried. Like I need some help. And I said, Oh my God, you're so needy. And I hung up the phone. Like this is what shitty therapists do. And it is not okay. And they hurt people and it's not okay. So this is the whole reason this episode exists. Um, I've had non-affirming LGBT therapists. And she said, as someone in the closet, that absolutely killed me. So again, your therapist should not be shaming, blaming, or judging you. They should be fully accepting you. That doesn't mean they never challenge you, but you're obviously, I hope you have a therapist who isn't challenging any of your identities. Um, fuck that person. Fire them immediately. Go find someone who is affirmative for those things. Um, but your therapist should never be shaming you. They should never tell you that something that is your identity is wrong, right? Like. You wouldn't have a therapist who says, oh, being black is bad. Oh, being Hispanic is bad. Being a brunette is bad because those things are inherent in your identity. So you should also not have a therapist who says being gay is wrong. Being trans is wrong. Those things are bad. You need to find a new therapist. That is not okay. And we're going to talk about how to find therapists like that who are like good um, and affirming. She said, I had a therapist who constantly tried to send me to the hospital as someone who wasn't suicidal, they were just self-harming. So there is a difference between self-harm and being suicidal. And I'm going to do a podcast episode on that um, probably in December or next year. But self-harm is not suicide. They're not the same thing. So like if your therapist doesn't understand that and you're someone who self-harms, you need them to understand that. So again, we're going to get to some questions who that'll help you weed a lot of people out. Um, but that was that none of those things are okay, right? So. She also had a therapist tell her she was too big to have an eating disorder or disordered eating because she was, quote unquote, clearly eating enough. Okay, what do you think about how damaging that is? Um, And she said, and one who talked about herself most of the session, literally every session. So obviously those are garbage experiences, but like all of those are so, so, so common. Like they are so common. 
which is why we're doing this episode, because so many people have had really crappy, harmful, damaging therapists. And none of that is okay. So now that we have gotten the rot cleared out, um, if I'm missing one, let me know. I want to talk about what makes a good therapist. Because you're like, okay, Amanda, like, that knowledge is good. What do I need to avoid? But we want to do both ends of the spectrum, which is what to avoid and what to look for. So things that you need to know about therapy. They're typically an hour. Um, your therapist needs to be licensed. That is it is illegal for a therapist who's not licensed to see anyone or to market themselves as a therapist. You need to start weekly or biweekly if you have never done therapy before. Um, even if people have done therapy before, they start with me weekly or biweekly. It is non-negotiable. Um, you do not need to see someone four times a week. That is fucking insane. Weekly or biweekly sessions last an hour. Your therapist should be available to you between sessions or there should be someone who you can contact. The way that I run it is that my therapists have direct, my therapist, my clients have direct access to me 24 seven because that is my job. Every single therapist who works for me, their clients have direct access to them 24 seven. If they want to go on vacation, their clients that have access to me or the therapist can choose to just like keep the access to them. But you need to have access to somebody. 24 seven, because what happens if you have a panic attack at 2 a.m. and you need something like you should be able to access them and they should be willing to talk to you. So, okay. If they're pissed off every time you contact them in between, that's a huge problem. Their job is to support you. doesn't matter the time of day. Um, you are within your rights to interview them. So here are some questions that are just going to give you some clarification. Um, Feel free to obviously like take any of these and add any that you feel are helpful. So a good question is like, what do you believe about growth, healing, trauma, anxiety, depression, or whatever it is that you're dealing with? And if they say, well, I believe that you're always going to have them and the best you can do is cope with them, run, run. Now we're not talking about personality disorders, right? So like schizophrenia, bipolar, those things tend to be lifelong. That doesn't mean they are always taking over or running your life. You can be bipolar. You can be schizophrenic. You can, um, well, bipolar is typically the one that we run into the most and have a wonderful quality of life and not have, um, like a lot of problems from those particular diagnoses. Schizophrenia is harder. Bipolar can be very, very, very well managed, almost to the point where, like, you forget that you have bipolar. That is very possible. So anxiety, depression, trauma can actually be healed and go away. Um, so you need to know what your therapist thinks about those diagnoses and about growth. Can people grow and heal and change? Or are you just stuck and the best you can do is cope and manage? Get away from those people. They are toxic. Um, what do you believe about suicidality and self-harm? You need to know that if you self-harm or if you have suicidal thoughts, are they going, what's their protocol for this? If you express that you have suicidal thoughts, are they immediately going to send you to the hospital? That should not be a first resort. That should not be a first resort. They should be able to support you through suicidal thoughts. Obviously there's a spectrum to that, right? So if you have like a gun in your mouth, or if you have, um, like, if you've already taken pills, yeah, they should be sending you to the hospital at that point. Obviously, that's case by case, okay? So don't 
don't confuse what I'm saying, but like they should have a protocol in place. If you say, Hey, I have suicidal thoughts. I don't have a plan, but I do have some thoughts. Okay, great. They should be able to support you with that, whether that's checking in on you every day or like seeing you a little bit more often um, for a short period of time until we're past those getting some extra supports, like they should have a process and a protocol for that. Are they going to send you to the hospital over self-harm? Do they know the difference between self-harm and suicidality? They're not the same. So they need to know the difference. A very good question, especially if you are a marginalized identity, LGBT, a person of color, poor, like, a very good question to ask them is if you need to involve the police, when would you do that? If I, if I'm at home and I call you and I say, Hey, I'm feeling kind of suicidal. Are you going to send the police to my door? The reason we need to know this is if you are a marginalized identity, your encounter with the police is infinitely more dangerous than a white cis able-bodied person like me. You are at a higher risk of being killed by police. Statistically, most police shootings are people who have mental health issues. So you need to know your therapist's stance on involving the police. That is something you need to know going in, especially if you deal with self-harm or suicidality or there's abuse in your home. You need to know those things. So ask them about their process. If the situation involves police, how do you handle that? Do you let me know? Do you let me make the choice that I need to go to the hospital? Are you immediately involuntarily committing me? What does that look like? Um, a good question to ask them is how do you work with clients? What's your process? How do you think about clients? So I, for example, tell every client that like, if you imagine a rainbow above their head, every color is a theme. It doesn't matter what you come with. It will hit one of those themes. And then we're just going to dig in on those and start clearing what we need to clear. I have no structure to my sessions. Some therapists thrive on structure with sessions. I particularly do not. doesn't make one better than the other. It just makes one right for me. So I don't really do worksheets. I don't really do exercises. Sometimes I do, but very, very, very rarely do I do those things. Some therapists thrive on that and their clients thrive on that, but you want to know ahead of time because if you're not like a homework or a, a like worksheet person, why would you go see someone who does that? Okay. We need to know these things beforehand. So what's your process like? How do you work with clients? Um, how do you think about working with clients? Those things matter. Another good question is if you have to make a report, will you talk to me first? So therapists, maybe some people don't know this, is therapists are mandated reporters. Any child or elder abuse in the home, any suicidality, and any intent to harm yourself or another person has to be reported to the appropriate agency. Now, there's some like nuances to that, right? Um, so like, for example, I've never reported suicidality. That is something I believe I can work with a client through. I've never hospitalized a client for suicidality. Doesn't mean I won't, but it means that typically I'm comfortable working with a client. Um, some therapists are not that way. Again, doesn't make it right or wrong, but it is something to that you want to be aware of what their process is. Um, if I have a, an, so I don't work with children, but if I have a client or the team has a client, where there is abuse happening in the home, my first rule is that we are talking to the parent to try and get them some education first, because I believe that everything is a skills gap. So if someone is beating their kids, there's obviously a skills gap. They don't know how to discipline without physical violence. 
I don't believe in going behind a client's back. So the first conversation is always, this is what your kiddo is reporting, or this is what you just reported, right? I've had, I've had clients say, well, I hit my kids with belts and they don't want to spend time with me. And I say like, that's, that's actual abuse. Like that's not okay. Um, and then I educate them on why it's abuse and, and what happens. So it's not a shame thing. It's just a fact that is abuse. I am a mandated reporter. If you're willing to work on it, this is just my own process. If you're willing to work on it, if you're willing to do sessions to get education, to try new things that will work much better, then I will hold off on the report and we can do the work together. Doesn't mean I won't make the report at some time, but it means that if you're willing to do the work, then I will work with you. Some therapists don't do that. Some therapists just go ahead and make the report as soon as um, the knowledge is found. And that is their process. So you need to know that going in. I, I don't believe in that process, but that's why I run my own practice. So you need to know what their process is for mandated reporting. Um, yeah, so... What else do we, so good therapists understand that they're not your friend. They're a professional there to support you. Doesn't mean they're not friendly. It doesn't mean you don't know anything about them. It doesn't mean you can't talk about Netflix and your favorite foods. And if they come across a recipe you love, like they really love, they share it with you. Like they can still be human. We're not robots. Like if I am listening to a podcast episode that I think a client would really like, I send it to them. If I find a funny meme that is totally them, I send it to them. Like they know when I'm on vacation. If they ask about it, I, I talk a little bit about it. Um, it was really fun. We had such a good time. Like, here's the things that we did in a very short, like, burst. And then it's, okay, let's get back to you. Um, so, like, your your therapist is a human, too, right? And if you prefer not to know anything about your therapist, that's totally fine. You just need to let them know, hey, I actually prefer when I don't know a lot about you. Amazing. They can adjust to that. Um, but your therapist should be actual people. It's okay for you to ask them questions. I would encourage you not to ask super personal questions because that's none of your business. And that's not what they're there for. But you're allowed to ask questions like, and they're allowed to answer or not answer any of those questions. Um, one of the reasons that I advocate for this is because I personally would not want to work with someone who doesn't preach, who, shoot, what's it called? Who doesn't like live what they preach. So if my therapist is, you know, trying to tell me like, um, you need to take time for yourself. You need to practice self-care and they never do that. That's a problem. Or if my therapist is telling me, you know, you, we want a healthy relationship. Here's what that look like, looks like. And, and not that you would know this, but like their relationship is toxic and abusive. Like they're out of their integrity. Um, so we want to know, again, your therapist is allowed to be a human, right? Like they should be actual people unless you have asked them to keep personal things to a very minimum, but they definitely should not be taking up a ton of time with their personal things. And they should never, never be processing anything with you. Um, but they should be people. They should actually have a personality. Whatever personality you drive with, that's why we want to like, like our people, but they're not your friend, right? They're a professional. They're not hanging out with you. They're not obviously having any kind of like inappropriate relationship with you. They're not sharing your information with anyone. Um, none of those things. So they should keep a professional balance. Um, you should always, always feel seen, heard, and validated. They should believe you. They should 
trust you. They should work with you. Seen, heard, and validated. They should be listening to you. Again, that's the 10%. <laughs> we need them to actually listen to you. They will challenge you. A good therapist will challenge you and say, this is fucked up. This is not okay. What you're doing, this is actually you and not them. Like, this is internal. They should be educating on what's you and what's other people and teaching you to do the same. Um, they should protect your confidentiality. People should not know things about you that only your therapist knows. Obviously, that's inappropriate and that is also illegal. So if a therapist has done that, report them. Um, they should unconditionally accept you. You are perfect and wonderful and lovely as you are. You want to change, and there's probably some things that you're doing that are problematic, but that doesn't mean you are a bad person. So however you come is welcome. As long as you show up in the seat, it's good, and it's welcome, and it is celebrated. It's celebrated. Not only is it okay, it is celebrated. The most transformational part, one of the most transformational parts of this is when a therapist really sees you and says, I like who you are. There are things about you that are wonderful and funny and lovely. I like who you are when they celebrate you. They should celebrate your wins. If you get a new job, if you, um, if you're not having suicidal thoughts anymore, if you self-harm less, if you leave a toxic relationship, if you have a hard conversation, if you ask for a raise, if you move out from one week to once every two weeks, like those are things to be celebrated. Your therapist should celebrate you. That's exciting. They should challenge you and they should definitely call you on your bullshit. Um, again, a good therapist is not just a horse in a field. A horse in a field is not going to challenge you. But a good therapist will. Um, they should advocate for you. They should teach you how to advocate for yourself. Again, the main, 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 main point of this is that they need to teach you skills. The whole point of therapy is that eventually you fire your therapist because you're done cooking. You're like, I'm good. Things are good. I use what you teach me. Life is better. I can consistently do that now. That's the fucking point. You should fire your therapist because you're better. That's the point. Now, I have a couple clients who love to come monthly. They refuse to fire me, even though they're fine, um, because they're like, I just like having this space once a month to talk about anything that comes up. It's just, it's just for me. So I'm like, okay, well, then that falls into the realm of self-care, like live your dream. But I'm not going to see them weekly for that. There's nothing to talk about. Like once a month is plenty. So they need to teach you to, that was not related. But anyway, they need to teach you to advocate for yourself, how to have conversations with medical professionals, with partners, with bosses, with friends, with family, with anyone that you need something from. Or anyone that you need to stand your ground with, they need to teach you how to do that. If you need a particular test run and your doctor's not doing it, it's our job to help advocate for you and to say, hey, this is something that they need. So let's get it done. And that's that's mostly what to look out for. Um, another thing that I forgot to put on the list but just came to me is like, which we talked about a little bit, is like they should be doing what they teach. Because if they're teaching you something and they're not doing it, they're lying. They're lying. Like, 
they need to be in their integrity. Um, so again, the most important thing, if you hear nothing that I said, uh, this is a really good episode. If you hear nothing that I said is that they need to teach you things. So if they're a horse in a field, if they just listen to you, get away from them, go find a new therapist who fits all the things that we just talked about, or at least most of them. Um, I would recap, but it's going to take a hot minute. So the point is that they should be teaching you skills. The whole point of therapy is that you eventually fire them because you're better, you're happier. You can do the things you need to do to continue to be happy and better. And then you fire them. That's the point. Um, If you're thinking about firing your therapist and you're like, oh, like, I really think I'm good now and I don't need them anymore. Obviously, have a conversation with your therapist. But if your therapist is toxic, let's find you a new one because that is your life is too important and your life is too valuable to have someone who holds your life in their hands and for them not to be good at what they're doing. Um, you wouldn't trust a shitty surgeon. So we definitely don't want to trust a shitty therapist. Um, give me your thoughts on this episode. This was, this is an episode that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and if you feel like I missed something, please let me know and I can always do a follow up. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I got. So you can get at me on Instagram at Amanda underscore chills or, um, you can shoot me an email, amanda.chills at gmail. So either one is fine if you have thoughts, but like, please give them to me. Um, and if you like the podcast, please, it helps me if you give a review, um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, it helps get it in front of more people. And if you know someone in therapy, or if you have someone who is currently looking to be in therapy, please, please, please send them this episode so they know what to look for. Um, cool. Have like the best day. Love you. Hope that you're good.